0: So, hello, welcome back to another another episode of the self development with Tactics podcast. We're going to go through um, the quiet ego, apparently. So this is the section of love in brackets. And I know it is not brackets, but I still don't know the word. Growth need. And we went through be love already. And then today's task is going to be the quiet ego and healthy authenticity, healthy selfishness. Um, and probably as well as purpose, I guess. I'm actually not quite sure if, if I'm going to advance to that. But we're going to see. Let's have a look <clears throat> at the quiet ego. In recent years, social psychologist Heidi Wayment and her colleagues have been developing a quiet ego research program grounded in Buddhist philosophy and humanistic psychology ideals and backed by empirical research in the field of positive psychology. The quiet ego approach focuses, focuses on balancing interests of the self and others and cultivating growth of the self and others over time based on self-awareness, inter, interdependent identity, and compassion experience. Paradoxically, it turns out, quieting the ego is so much more effective in cultivating well-being, growth, health, productivity, and a healthy self-esteem than focusing exclusively, exclusively on self-enhancement, which I think... Uh, totally is the truth. Because the ego is such a fucked up part of uh, us humans, I would say, that it just makes sense for me. That it is gonna change one so incredibly to the better, of course, um, in comparison to, to other things that, of course, are as well working, which might be kind of summarized as self enhancement. A quiet ego is definitely not the same thing as a silent ego. Squashing the ego so much that it loses its identity, it does not want a favor. Instead, she, the quiet ego perspective emphasizes balance and integration. As Wayman and her colleagues put it, the volume of the ego is turned down so that it might listen to others as well as the self in an effort to approach life more humanly and compassionately. The goal of the quiet ego approach is to arrive at a less defensive and more integrative stance towards the self and others. Not lose your sense of self or deny your self-esteem needs. And, uh, well, I think it is actually interesting to see that those self-help and self-development and self-enhancement things can actually be quite bad as well. And I do not want to say, okay, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. I do want to say that you should, I don't know, like, is this my oh yeah it is i think it is amazing i think it is amazing to try to work on myself and try to to get better and better you know i heavily also suggest to do so because we all have certain areas of life that we haven't advanced in to a great level yet yet very important yet And I think we all have certain things that we don't necessarily like about ourselves, which doesn't always have to mean that you should be working on them. You know, sometimes also the perspective that you're having towards yourself and um, the way you look at yourself should change and or um, by changing so you can alter the, the way you feel about those things. Definitely. But I think in the end, there are certain things that we rationally can say we should change about ourselves. You know, some people get really angry. Some people just, you know, hurt themselves, whether it is physically or mentally. Obviously, these are things that we should be working on. And we should try to mitigate, try to change, try to do just something about these things. Healthy authenticity. Healthy authenticity of the sort that helps you become a whole person which is their apparently B-authenticity, so B-authenticity, dash evolves understanding, accepting, and taking responsibility for your whole self as a route to personal growth and meaningful relationships. Healthier authenticity is an ongoing process of discovery, self-consciousness, and responsibility-taking and is built on a secure foundation of a personality structure not dominated by the needs for safety, connection, and self-esteem springing from exploration and love. Healthy authenticity allows you to truly face the unknown deep within yourself, accept the totality of your being and become better at trusting, um, not accept, but accept, you know, the totality of your being, you know, so that you're fine with the totality of who you are and become better trusting that a unique personal center of yourself as the German psychoanalyst, Karen Horny, <laughs> Put it. What the, fuck. the main components of healthy authenticity are self awareness, self honesty, integrity, and authentic relationships. Major love is union under the condition of preserving one's integrity, one's individuality. In love, the paradox occurs that two beings become one and yet remain two. Eric Fromm, The Art of Loving from 1956. Um, I've actually very recently been talking about authenticity and just being yourself with a good buddy of mine. Shout out to you, it's always quite great to to talk with him because he is very, very, very philosophical and pretty aware of himself, of things, his opinions and whatnot and really does think about these things as well and, and therefore can formulate and then verbalize um, his thoughts and opinions very well just because he put the time into these things and um, he said that it just really makes sense to be authentic for the long run you know maybe in the short term you're gonna get something out of it you know by just trying to be somebody so that you're gonna get liked that you know a certain person is gonna fall in love with you whatever it might be but in the long term it is just it's it's, it's not going to be favorable it's it's not going to be good for you really not and this is a big thing and this is indeed something also to think about like when you're just meeting somebody you know something or somebody that you might want to get into a love relationship with um, what happens then if you are not yourself and it is difficult though to say because we all have Different sides of our personality, you know. I am also not always like I am now. I can be completely different in certain other um, situations or when I'm with certain people or in in certain contexts of life. I'm just going to be different, you know, which is just normal, I would say at least. I mean, in school, I'm probably not going to be the same as just uh, in private when I'm drinking with my friends or some shit. Of course. I'm going to be different and this is not due to the alcohol or due to something else Um, but it is just due to the context. It is due to me being with my friends instead of me being in school or me being at a job interview or whatnot. I'm just going to be different and um, therefore it is also very, very, very difficult to decide whether this is just a side of yours or this is indeed you trying to be a different person so that you get some benefits out of it. But coming back to the original example that I was willing to make, if you're maybe on a date with a person and you're just really trying hard to be liked and and you also succeed at that, you know, in the long run, this person is going to quote unquote find out or just notice that you might be a bit of a different person. You know, you might be doing things in or you might be acting differently. You know, you might be talking differently. You might be treating um, this person in a different way over time and this is just probably not going to have a good end and this is probably not going to be a, what you want what, what do you would <laughs> what do you want to have long term and so it is just smart to be yourself and or at least a side of yourself and of course if i'm dating somebody and i really like this person then I, I obviously want this person to like me i'm not going to be this person that i am when i'm with my friends or when i'm um you know it's cool or whatever you know I'm going to be a different kind of person. I'm going to be just, uh, you know, this side of me, which I think it is fine. You know, it really is. But yes, it, it's indeed extremely difficult to say when, when the point is where you're just indeed trying to be somebody else and not just um, yourself in the end. Healthy selfishness, also a pretty, pretty big thing. Modern culture is pervaded by a taboo on selfishness, wrote Eric Fromm in his 1939 essay, Selfishness and Self-Love. Fromm notes that this cultural taboo has had the unfortunate consequence of making people feel guilty for showing themselves healthy self-love and has even caused people to become ashamed of experiencing pleasure, health and personal growth. It may seem paradoxical, but it also found that people who scored higher in healthy selfishness were more likely to care about others and report more growth and oriented motivations for helping others. A key to maintaining a such to maintaining such a harmonious relationship and exercising a certain degree of healthy selfishness is the relationship which Maslow describes as a great self-respect. Uh, this inclination to make sacrifices without good reason. Maslow notes that self actually s- Actualizing lovers demonstrate a fusion of great ability to love and at the same time great respect for the other and great respect for oneself. Becoming a whole person requires setting appropriate boundaries and balancing one's own needs with the needs of others. Which I would say is is again just uh, boiling down to the exact same thing as I was talking about before, which is in the long term it is just not going to have a good end it's not going to be good for you if you're always trying to please other people and you're never quote-unquote selfish I, I do really think as well that selfishness is connotated such in, in such a negative way that um that that yeah that people do not like being selfish you know but there is a healthy selfishness you know there's a healthy way of being selfish um, and I think, if I'm not wrong, then this is also something that I've been talking about with this one person, and I really had to agree because there is indeed a healthy selfishness, you know, when I'm always caring about somebody else, and when I'm n- never trying to 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 give myself and my brain and my body the thing it needs, even when there's something on the line, you know, when there's some somebody else on the line, like either it is. Just me dying and me kind of breaking down in the long term. Or this other person just getting this extra kind of thing. Which, you know, does really not matter in the long term. And might be even forgotten from this person or by this person in the long term. Which is a very pessimistic view, yes. But maybe, who knows. Always depends on the person, always depends on the context, always depends on you yourself as well. You know, some people can handle away greater acts of just not being selfish and trying to please everybody compared to somebody else you know and which is also not um, kind of an exercise on how to compare yourself and or comparing yourself to somebody else no this is rather self-awareness and listening to yourself and listening to your body and also over time figuring out what you need and what you want to have you know yesterday, um, actually pretty interesting, again, I've met this one person <laughs> Shout out to you And I, um, you know, at first thought, well, I'm actually really not in the mood to uh, to to be at this You know, it was a bar, to be at this bar um, that day just also because I had to work Even though it was really not kind of um, exhausting work You know, I it's, it's really been chilled and, and, and fine and okay But in the end, I thought, well, I'm probably going to feel pretty good about this situation. And and as I've done also then in the end, I went home at a time that I just enjoyed. And so in the end, my afternoon or my evening was pretty fucking great. Just because I had both and I I just was trying to figure out what to do. And I I thought about uh, situations like these that I was in before and I've seen and figured out that quite often I and, and my sense of what I need and what I don't need is quite distorted. And so I'm also deliberately trying to act against it to most often in the end see that it's been quite fine. Think about past times. Think about the same or similar situations that you've been in or at and Based on that, try to figure out what you should be doing, which doesn't necessarily mean that you do, that you should always be doing that. And it also depends on how often you've been in this situation. Like, there's also a situation that I've been in, which is um, getting requests from clients at a time that I didn't really like, and almost often in the evening, quite late. I don't actually know why, but. I often said, yes, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I immediately did it. But most often I have regretted it. So I don't know. Um, maybe just dealing with it with it in a different way might be sensical. Anyway, um, I'm just willing to finish this one up here. <laughs> um, Maslow notes that self-actualizing lovers demonstrate a fusion of great ability to laugh, and at the same time great respect for others and great respect for oneself. Becoming a whole person requires setting appropriate boundaries and balancing one's own needs with the needs of others. But perhaps the clearest way this paradox is resolved in whole love is by acknowledging that both partners can be interested in helping each other growing in their own direction. As Maslov notes, this requires not needing each other. They can be extremely close together and yet go apart when necessary without collapsing. They do not cling to each other or have hooks or anchors of any kind throughout the most intense and aesthetic love affairs these people remain themselves and remain ultimately masters of themselves as well living by their own standards even though enjoying each other intensively. Which I I think just, just for, for that paragraph it was worth going through that today because I think this is so true and I see many mistakes that I've made in the past And many ways in which I should be doing things in the future. um, I don't want to repeat. Both partners can be interested in helping each other growing in their own direction. As Maslov notes, this requires not needing each other. They can be extremely close together and yet go apart when necessary without collapsing. They do not cling to each other or have hooks or anchors of any kind. Throughout the most intense and aesthetic love affairs, these people remain themselves and remain ultimately masters of themselves as well, living by their own standards even though enjoying each other intensively. We have customarily defined falling in love in terms of a complete merging of egos and a loss of separateness, a given up of individuality rather than a strengthening of it. While this is true, the fact appears to be at this moment that the individuality is strengthened, that the ego is in one sense merged with another, but yet in another sense remains separate and strong as always. The two tendencies to transcend individuality and to sharpen and strengthen it must be seen as partners, not as contradictories. Furthermore, it is implied that the best way to transcend the ego is via having a strong identity. Must of. With that being said, I'm going to end the episode. Bye-bye.